Make the steps that you can make. Take that first step. Like I said, maybe it's veggie broth. Maybe it's non-dairy yogurt. Maybe it's just switching out your snacks. Maybe it's adding an extra vegetable. Maybe it's doing a meatless Monday or a veggie taco Tuesday. Just starting to incorporate more plants. If I can leave you with the inspiration to just eat more plants, that's what I want you to have have takeaway from a veg-inspired perspective. Welcome to Salad with a Side of Fries. I'm your host, Jen Trepic, talking wellness and weight loss for real life. We're here to clear up the myths, misinformation, bad science, and marketing to teach you how to eat and how to cheat. Are you ready? I'm having salad with a side of fries. Hey, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Salad with a Side of Fries. I'm your host, Jen Trepic, always here with you every week. And if you're a longtime listener, you'll probably remember one of the episodes from near the beginning of the show, and I called it, What Does Your Vegan Look Like? (laughs) Right? And we, we sort of discussed the nuances. And I think there's often this push and pull between the labels of what we call our eating plan and our health because those two things are not necessarily the same. And by the way, health includes, you know, the physical, mental, emotional, all the pieces of it. So today, I think is another conversation in that vein to help us understand and choose what's right for ourselves. So we are discussing the spectrum of vegan, and I have the perfect guest for us. Let me introduce you. She's a plant-based lifestyle and mindset coach, the CEO of Veg Inspired, and the author of three cookbooks, the 30-minute whole food plant-based cookbook, the super easy plant-based cookbook, and the budget-friendly plant-based cookbook. Sorry, plant-based diet cookbook. She empowers high-achieving professionals to eat more plants and leverage the power of food to meet their personal and professional goals. So you see why she and I connect, right? (laughs) For more than eight years, she's been eating and creating vegan meals. Over the past two and a half years, she shifted her daily habits to to follow a whole food, plant-based lifestyle and has experienced incredible results. A 40-pound weight loss, renewed energy, a newfound sense of joy, a healthier mindset, and body overall. Her brand, Veg Inspired, is dedicated to providing high-achieving professionals and entrepreneurs with the resources to make a similar transformation and make an even more significant impact in the world. Now, here's where it gets more interesting. She and her husband, John, live their plant-based dream life while traveling the United States in an RV with their cat. They've been to 29 states and 20 national parks so far with the goal of hitting every U.S. national park. So without further ado, please help me welcome Kathy Davis. Hi, Jen. Hello, everybody. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and discuss this topic because the spectrum of vegan really can be a very expansive topic. And just from the bio, you can hear you know, I was vegan eight years, but now I'm this whole foodie. And it'll be interesting to hear how this how this all aligns with the spectrum of vegan topic. Absolutely. And by the way, I think, you know, we first connected what feels like ages ago now. So I'm so glad we're finally here. <laughs> and um, you started to touch on it. We're going to dig into your story and all your pearls of wisdom, but I don't want to interrupt you too much. So Really quick, let's tell our members what they're getting. So members, your recipe is for Tuscan white bean soup. So it's broth and tomato based with tons of veggies and cannellini beans. It is beyond easy to make. Of course, fits the theme of today's episode. Plus, I think, you know, it feels appropriate, not just for the episode, but for the season. I feel like we're getting into soup weather. And... Kathy has a giveaway for you guys. So Kathy, tell our members about their giveaway. Absolutely. I am really excited to get our giveaway into the hands of the members. So we have the super easy plant-based cookbook that's going to be our giveaway. And it is a full recipe cookbook with recipes from different categories. No cook, five ingredients, 30 minutes, and one pot. Who doesn't love a one pot meal? And of course, The recipes cover all the spectrums from appetizers, the plant-based way, to desserts, the plant-based way, and all of the other types of recipes in between. Really excited to give away a cookbook. Awesome. All right. So guys, if this recipe sounds good or you're ready for Kathy's cookbook, you are not going to want to miss this. Here's what you do. Go to glow.fm 
slash salad with a side of fries. For $10 a month, you get weekly recipes, a monthly article or tool, extra discounts from me and our partners, plus access to live Q&A sessions. It really is a total deal. When you take advantage of the full offerings, you save far more than that $10 cost. Seriously, a no-brainer way to show yourself that your health is a priority. Plus, your membership supports this podcast and this community so that we can continue to do this with you, bring you new episodes and new experts every single week, and nothing would make me happier. So remember, here's what you do. Go to glow.fm slash salad with a side of fries, or just click the link in the show notes. That's easier. You don't have to remember a whole URL. Once you're there, you're going to click support now. I'm going slow so you can do it. Support now. (laughs) Then you're going to type your email, enter your payment info, and then click subscribe. You will be all set. You're going to get this week's recipe for the Tuscan white bean soup and Kathy's giveaway, the super easy plant-based cookbook. All right. So Kathy, in introducing you, we mentioned that you've been plant-based for almost a decade and you shifted to whole food plant-based. And you saw tremendous results that also like overflowed into your professional life. But like, take us back. What did life look like before, personally, professionally? What made you initially start to explore this whole vegan thing? Tell us about it. Oh, it's such a loaded question, Jen. (laughs) So my story actually starts about eight and a half years ago when my husband introduced me to the idea of plant-based eating as something that we could adopt. And I was heels dug in resistant. So if you're out there listening and you're thinking, I could never go vegan, I was there. I didn't want to give up my favorite foods. I certainly didn't want to be different from anyone else. And it took me about eight months, six to eight months of exploring the recipes, learning more about it, and making meals that had familiar ingredients. Sauces made from cashews, more pasta dishes with lots of veggies, potatoes, you know, foods that I really enjoyed that could be made plant-based. And that exploration gave me more confidence and started to show me that eating plant-based and vegan wasn't what I thought it was going to be. The more plant-based meals I ate, the more I allowed myself to look into the other aspects of really what veganism meant, how it was in a lifestyle, what we used, what products we used, clothing, different things of that nature. And I had a major pivot moment. We were, I would say, about six months in to eating this way. And I was at, I was actually at my bridal shower. So while I was making this transition, I was planning my wedding. And I always say the caterer like didn't want to meet with me because every time I met with them, I had a new <laughs> food group that I had given up. Oh, I'm not going to eat eggs anymore. I'm not going to eat dairy anymore. And every time they met with me, I was making things a little more challenging for them. But picture this, I'm in a field after my my bridal shower at my friend's house, and they raised cows for slaughter. And there was a cow in the field who had just had her baby calf. Oh, my goodness. I have chills as you're saying this. And it all clicked. And in that moment, I said, I'm done. I'm vegan. I'm not eating animals anymore. That was June of 2014. So that has been just over eight years And when you start to think about the impact that that makes, not only in your own life, but now I'm telling, you know, family members, I'm not eating animal products anymore. And and you start to see that it creates an awareness around other people. My biggest realization and learning experience from all of that was the familiar foods. If I hadn't eaten foods that increased the foods that were familiar to me, I probably wouldn't have been able to make that transition as fast. And I put that in air quotes because six to eight months doesn't seem like a very fast transition. But for some people, it can take years to fully adopt a, you know, animal-free or plant-centered way of eating. You know, it's so interesting because I think, you know, you mentioned you started this before there was such an industry around, you know, being vegan. And then I think... Even still, you mentioned, right, you transitioned into like the whole food version of vegan. So I sort of call it like the 
French fry and Oreo vegan versus the chickpea lentil spinach vegan. So I'm curious how you experience this and what do you want people to understand about like this whole spectrum? Absolutely. So to shed a little bit of light, I have eaten on all ends of what I call the vegan spectrum, which is interesting because that's the name of the show. And I always say that I've tried this whole food, plant-based, absolutely no processed foods. I've tried raw vegan where there's nothing cooked. That didn't last very long. I have eaten the vegan French fry and Oreo. And what I found over the years, and, and really, especially in the last two and a half, you know, three years since making that decision, that intentional adoption of this, these whole food habits on the daily, is that it comes down to those whole food habits. And it comes down to what does your day in and day out intake of food look like? And how do you feel after? I loved as my vegan journey unraveled and as I went down this pathway of eating vegan, I loved that new vegan products were coming out every week. I loved going to Whole Foods and filling my cart with all the vegan products. But what I found was they didn't always leave me feeling any better than some of the super processed animal products. And over time, that started to take a toll on my health. In the beginning, when I switched from standard American eating eight years ago to plant-based eating or whole food, you know, it, it kind of went standard American eating to this more whole food, familiar plant foods. Then I started adding in the products. And over the five years of between, you know, 2014 and 2019, when I shifted my daily habits, a lot of products came on the market. I mean, now you can get a vegan Whopper. We know that, that a Whopper is not healthy, whether it's vegan or not. And when you start to think about that, the amount of products, the amount of options increased, which make the transition for some people easier. But that doesn't mean that the processed foods are any healthier. And that's what I started to notice. I started to notice a deterioration in my health. I had a lot of markers for prediabetes. I was fatigued all the time. I was overweight. I lacked inspiration. I didn't want to do the things that I had wanted to do when we first hit the road in the RV. And it, it showed me that there was a gap. I was missing something and I didn't know what it was. And making the decision to reduce the Oreos and French fries and increase those whole fresh foods, less processed, you know, picking the potatoes that are baked instead of take out French fries, most of the time has given me this new, you know, this new awareness, this new sense of inspiration, this new sense of joy. And as you mentioned in the bio, I lost a lot of weight. I gained a lot of energy. People will say, oh, the weight, the weight, the weight, the weight is just one piece of the whole puzzle of how I feel now compared to how I felt, you know, two and a half years ago. Yeah, I would say the weight's like the byproduct, right? That's the side effect. Yeah. But it's so interesting because I think you're exactly right. Like so often, well, first of all, I guess the overarching thing that's striking me too is working your way toward whole, actual, real food is the objective, whether you consider yourself on the spectrum of vegan or not, mm -hmm. right? And then you can say, oh, let me maybe take another step and explore this piece of it. And I always say, you know, we don't want perfection to be the enemy of progress. <laughs> so what are some of those tweaks? Like you mentioned, you started with familiar foods. So how can we work our way toward, you know, more plants, but in a very healthful way and not necessarily reaching for those plant meats? that are marketed to us? Absolutely. That's actually one of my favorite questions because I think the easy thing is to just say, just swap your chicken nuggets for vegan chicken nuggets. Just swap your deli meat for tofurkey. And while that is easy, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's the healthiest option. I'm not saying not to do that, right? Progress over perfection. But it, can you do a hummus veggie sandwich instead of the cold cut, mock cold cut? Can you do chickpea nuggets versus the chicken nuggets in the freezer section? You know, just looking at ways that you can use a whole food to, to get the nutrients that you need. Now, an easy swap, easy things that you can make. 
start using vegetable broth instead of chicken broth. So a good tip is for every cup of vegetable broth, add about a half a teaspoon of nutritional yeast. Now, before you tell me that you don't want your soups to taste cheesy, right? I love nutritional yeast too. Just a small amount of nutritional yeast added to vegetable broth will give it that umami, that depth of flavor that a chicken broth would have. So a cup to a half a teaspoon that helps to to replace the chicken broth. That's a very easy swap and helps you start reducing the use of animal products, starting to move the needle a different way. Something else that's an easy swap, looking at the non-dairy, looking at non-dairy alternatives. There are tons of them. And I'm going to tell you that you're not going to like every vegan cheese, right? It's a it's an acquired taste. Don't swap the cheese. Look for a way that you can swap the creamer in your coffee or the yogurt that you eat. Like look for the easy, low-hanging fruit swaps that allow you to take those next steps forward. Another big tip that I always tell people, and we touched on it with the familiar foods, but increase the servings of vegetables. So right now, if you are doing meat, starch, veg, can you do smaller portion of meat, starch, double veg? Can you start every meal with a fresh salad? Or if you want it to be even easier, make a vegetable-based soup. You know, a minestrone, you know, frozen vegetables and veggie broth with some noodles. Like, look at ways that you can start your meal with a very simple vegetable-focused appetizer or first course salads or soups. The next level up to these tips is to swap in plant-based snacks. Now, I'm going to caveat that because Oreos would be considered a plant-based or vegan snack, not healthy. I'm talking more about the granola bars where you can see the ingredients. You can see the nuts, the seeds in them, not a super processed granola bar. Looking at ways that you can add vegetables and hummus versus potato chips and a, a dairy-based dip. Just those small nuances of change allows you to increase the vegetables, the fruits, Maybe it's a fruit snack, a snack of actual fruits versus fruit snacks. Just things like that, increasing that. The last tip that I have is look for plant-based desserts. One of the big things that I find hold people back is the fear of not being able to have enjoyable sweet treats or enjoyable sweets. You know, something like banana ice cream, smoothie bowls, cookies that are basically oatmeal that are baked you know, looking at ways that you can bring in plant-centered ingredients, oats, fruits, maple syrup, date syrup, dates, those types of ingredients into your desserts versus always turning to the, the store-bought processed option will allow you to see, again, familiar foods. It's not as big of a sacrifice. And then I love what you said, Jen, about not letting perfection be the enemy of progress. I work with the philosophy of intention. How can you make intentional decisions? And when I talk about the decision that I made two and a half years ago to follow, to go from vegan, vegan life, vegan eating, to follow a more whole food plant-based way of eating, it's very intentional. You know, I decide when I'm going to eat at an amazing vegan restaurant that we pass on our travels, but it's all about quality. It's all about intention. It's all about leaning into the places that I really want to try versus just having, you know, the option of a Whopper or any, any takeout because it's available. And when you start to lead with intention towards your goals, you find that it's much easier to stick with them. A thousand percent. I love that. Follow-up question to that because I think all of these tips are super helpful. And I think, you know, your books are probably a tremendous tool in answering my next question, but <laughs> I want to ask it anyway because I think part of what attracts people to the store-bought things, the frozen nugget, the whatever, is the flavor and the texture. That like when we start to do it on our own, we don't necessarily know, like you mentioned with the vegetable broth and a little bit of nutritional yeast, like we don't often know or want to figure out how to create those flavors or how to like match a texture that we're looking for. Definitely. And texture and flavor are the are the two biggest keys. When I was, when I, some of the two, I had three hangups when I switched to plant-based eating eight years ago. One was burgers. I love burgers. I still love burgers. 
The second one was buffalo wings. I grew up in Western New York. I love my buffalo wings. And then I love to pair them with blue cheese dressing. All three of those items are very, can be very challenging to match texturally. I mean, I can, you can make a veggie burger, but is it a veggie burger that's going to satisfy the burger lover in me who ate a burger at a restaurant at least every day when we first, you know, at least every week when we first did this? Is it a buffalo wing that's going to satisfy that flavor and texture, you know, that I grew up on? Is it a blue cheese dressing that's going to have that creaminess paired with that tang, you know, that I dipped those buffalo wings in? And one I found was that it does take time. You know, it's not the answer people want to hear. I think we tried a dozen veggie burgers before we found one that I was like, that's it. I can do this. We found the veggie burger. Now, the buffalo wings were a little bit easier because I love cauliflower and it wasn't the wing so much as it was the shape, the texture, and the dippability. And there are vegan blue cheeses on the market that you can buy. I now, because I'm more whole food, I make my own using a, using a tofu mayo and then you know crumbled tofu with scallions and other ingredients to kind of add some tang. But just know it will take time. And you may, you may try several different recipes, but if your goals are strong enough and your why is strong enough, you know, for me, it wasn't strong enough in the beginning. That's why it took six months for me to, you know, make this cobbled together transition. But then once the connection happened, then the why became stronger. And then I was, had made the decision that I'm doing this now we got to figure out what veggie burger. Now we got to figure out how to make those buffalo wings. Now we got to figure out the blue cheese. And it gave me time to explore that. And so I encourage anybody, don't give up on your first recipe. Don't give up on the third recipe you try. Maybe don't even give up on the seventh recipe because when you find the one, it'll make all the other recipes just, it'll just click as to why those ones didn't work. And then that'll become your favorite. And maybe you make three or four batches and stick them in the freezer and they become just as convenient as the frozen foods that you can get from the store. And, you know, when you're looking at that texture and, and trying to replace that, it is going to take time. It's also going to take the, you know, the mindset to reframe. You're never going to eat those foods again necessarily. So there's always going to be a missing gap. You know, I tell people, don't try to replace cheese. Make a new recipe without cheese. So your tacos, you're not going to replace the cheese by using guacamole. You're going to make a taco with guacamole. Just that simple mindset shift can be a game changer for people as they're making this transition. I love this so much. I think, and it's so helpful in everything, right? In everything that comes to our health and everything that we do in life. Like keep trying, keep exploring. If the why is strong enough, right, then we're willing to do that work. And maybe if it's not quite so strong or we're not willing to do that work, that's where your cookbooks come in. <laughs> we can find the tools and the resources to make things easier, to shorten that learning curve. And your why might be different, right? In the beginning, my why was health. And then it was animals. And then it was eating all the vegan junk food to share on the Veg Inspired YouTube channel with all the people. And then it went back to health. So your why may change. You know, you may have been introduced to this way of eating because of an allergy diagnosis or a health diagnosis, or you read somewhere that you can lose weight eating whole food plant-based, and that's the avenue you want to take. But that why might not be enough to push the decision. And so you have to look inside and say, how can, what is that why going to give me? Is losing weight going to give me the energy, the confidence to be able to show up? Is a health diagnosis, right. the, a, an allergy, those have a stronger why. But if your why is more, I want to be mobile so I can play with my family, I can be around for my children, I can show up and be present and do, do things with them rather than watch from the sidelines, it changes what you're willing to, what you're willing to, to encounter. It changes what you're willing to go through. Yeah, I love this. And that's actually sort of where I want to go is sort of how this why goes, you know, plays into the spectrum. And then I also have to get your thoughts on some vegan documentaries. Really quick, though, we'll pause for a message from our partner for this episode, Snap Cleaning Products. 
Make household and industrial cleaning a snap with their eco-friendly, economical, multi-purpose snap products. Snap's concentrated, multi-purpose formulas perform light to industrial strength jobs all in one bottle. Snap's products give you the cleaning power of a variety of cleaners, saving you time, money, and valuable storage space. And Snap products were developed with the environment in mind, using plant-based ingredients that are biodegradable, phosphate-free, non-toxic, and bottled and recyclable containers. So this actually fits very well into today's conversation. You know, we often think about our food impacting our body and putting plants, and then we can also look for cleaner products to use in our homes. And we make the best effort. And a lot of times things that are labeled clean aren't actually, <laughs> right? Just like the things that are labeled vegan, right? Don't necessarily imply that they are healthful. So that is why I love the Snap Free and Clear Laundry Detergent and Fabric Softener. So it cleans in all water temperatures. It's safe for delicates and baby clothes, hypoallergenic, dye-free, fragrance-free, works with high-efficiency machines, and it's environmentally friendly in both the ingredients and the packaging. Like I said, biodegradable, non-toxic, phosphate-free, plant-based surfactants, and again, bottled and recyclable containers. So a single bottle can do up to 80 loads of laundry for just $13.95. And the fabric softener is exactly the same. So I mean, this is hands down the best that I've found in my exploration of trying to find the cleaner options. So because you're a salad with a side of fries listener, you get 10% off and free shipping. So simply text the word CLEAN, C-L-E-A-N, to 844-947-4846. You'll receive the link and coupon code right to your phone. Again, just text the word CLEAN, C-L-E-A-N, to 844-947-4846 to try SNAP in particular the free and clear laundry detergent and fabric softener. You'll get 10% off and free shipping. This is a toll-free number. Standard text and data rates may apply. All right, Kathy. So we were talking before about sort of how the why plays into where we fall on the spectrum of vegan. And a lot of times, you know, vegan has a lot of definitions, right? There's the person who will use honey or won't, the person who might have a vitamin that, you know, has gelatin and the one who doesn't, or somebody who might wear a leather jacket. So like, how do we sort of think about these other pieces in this whole spectrum? So that's a great question because I would, I would label myself as an ethical vegan. I don't use honey. I don't wear leather. I, you know, I'm very conscious about the products that we use in our house. They're not tested on animals. They don't use animal products. They don't use beeswax. But a lot of people following a more whole food or more plant-based way of eating do still use honey. You know, there's a lot of, you know, lo benefits to local honey. They may have a leather jacket that they purchased decades ago that's still maintaining its, its, wear and it's very easy to use. They may have a purse that they purchased before making the decision to not use animal products. And I always tell people, you know, when you make this transition, you have to do what works for you. When I first went plant, when I first went vegan and then June 2014, I didn't go into my closet and pull out every vegan item that I own or non, any animal-based item that I owned. I didn't get rid of the, the down pillow. You go through the phase. You go through a transition period where you start to recognize the next time I purchase something, it probably won't purchase leather. Or maybe it's all for health and you aren't looking to be an ethical vegan and, and change the products that you use or the entertainment. You know, we don't go to the zoos or circuses because of the animal entertainment. But we do support animal sanctuaries where the animals are rescued, they're brought in, they're given a better life. And because of that, it changes the way that we view certain attractions along our travels, the way we interact with, with products, the way we interact with brands. You know, as a food blogger, I, I get reached out to a lot of brands and I'm always looking at, you know, their, the ethics behind them. Are they, you know, are they an ethical brand? But I, it's, the definition of vegan by the vegetarian society speaks directly to doing the best you can. And 
Somebody who decides they want to go vegan that's taking a medication that uses gelatin does not mean that that they're any less vegan than somebody who doesn't. You have to do the best you can for yourself and obviously for the animals as well, but there's a level, there's a tier, there's a, there's a transition time as you move through this. And again, perfectionism doesn't need to be the enemy of progress. Simply being aware of the products that you use in your house. Are they tested on animals? Do they use animal products? You know, we're talking about fabric softener as your, as your sponsor this week. A lot of fabric softener sheets have lanolin, which is a product from sheep. So just being aware of that might lead you to changing the decisions that you make next time around. You know, you may decide not to eat honey that's commercially prepared, commercially manufactured because of the treatment of the bees. You may decide not to, you know, use certain products because of the treatment down the line. It really becomes, a, you know, there's a, I, I always say to people, you can go down a lot of rabbit holes to find the sources of things. But you have to do it in your in your journey. You know, now as a whole food eater, I choose not to eat foods with food dyes. So even as a whole food eater, I'm always reading labels. Sometimes brands change their change their ingredients for what's available. So it's not a guarantee that something's always going to be what I can eat or have the ingredients that I choose to eat. I'm always reading labels. I'm always looking at what's in them. You know, I won't choose a bread that has honey. I also won't choose pickles that have yellow five because of the food dye. It's, it's a journey. It's a, it's a progression. And, you know, if you take anything away from this, it really is your journey. It's something that you have to internalize it and do the research and, and become aware of how you're interacting with the food and, and what it does, you know, for you. Yeah. And I think even going back to like the phrase that you use to describe yourself as an ethical vegan, like P.S. to everybody who's like, whoa, I'm not there. It doesn't make you unethical, <laughs> right? It's like we have these labels and, you know, we don't necessarily want to get stuck in that or let this label make us feel some kind of way about the choices that work for us. Or don't. Absolutely. And, you know, to kind of further discuss that ethical piece, I use the term ethical vegan because people will say, are you vegan or are you plant-based? And I am, mm-hmm. I am vegan. I don't use animal products, but I eat a whole food plant-based, I follow a whole food plant-based way of eating, and I support clients who are making that transition. So when they're in my space, they know that I'm, I, you know, I choose not to eat animal products while they're still making a transition. So it allows it to create this inclusive environment where they can be anywhere in between because I've been anywhere in between. Yeah, I love it. All right. So as we're talking about sort of all these perceptions <laughs> and all this stuff, it reminds me, right, like there are so many documentaries and movies, whether it's Netflix or anywhere. So There's this pop culture side of the industry of vegan, as I think of it. So poker plug the holes in what we've heard in these Netflix documentaries and elsewhere. You know, I think the biggest, the biggest holes, gosh, there's just so many. I think, (laughs) I know, I'm sorry, very daunting question. Like, where do I start? Um, my opinion on documentaries is that as you watch them, you're watching them with a nuance of discernment. And there's a couple that really get me, the what the hell, when they're talking about pink washing and they're talking about research shows how detrimental dairy can be and how much of of a catalyst it can be for cancer growth, yet we're encouraged to eat yogurts with the pink label on them like those documentaries just burn me and the unfortunate side of that is a lot of times these documentaries come off as one-off like they didn't do enough research that's not the case and you know plugging a big hole in that mindset that trendiness mindset that that's not true research shows that dairy is a catalyst for cancer growth so when you watch a documentary like that and you don't have the discernment, you might be off put. You might say that's not really true. But when you watch a documentary like Game Changers, where it starts to talk about blood flow and, and you're looking at 
how eating animal products they actually show the blood of people and and people start to say whoa i am making a i am starting to make a connection i do see that i feel this way after eating and we start to look at how we feel and how we engage with food and how we engage with industry do we really know and one of the biggest tips that i always share with my clients is we are a society of overconsumption of all things. And in this way of eating, in changing a lifestyle, in you know deciding how you want to live your life, you have to decide who to listen to. And you, it, my advice was always to listen to somebody who has what you want and who's been where you are because they know what you're going to go through and they have the result that you're looking for. And what I find with a lot of documentaries is they don't necessarily highlight the people who've been where you are and the people who have what you want. They might highlight the people who have what you want, but they might miss some of the trials and tribulations along the way. And I think a documentary is one resource for you to gain information and then provide yourself with more questions. It allows, it's like a stepping stone for more questions to ask yourself. Is this true? Where can I find more research? And then as you're looking through that research, doing your research on who funded it, who funded that documentary, who funded the research on the dairy industry, was it, or on the, on the soy industry? You know, we get a lot, of slack, a lot of slack for eating a lot of soy. And even in popular books, it says soy is not going to give you man boobs or uh, affect your estrogen in that way. But that's not what the dairy industry wants you to believe. So they're going to fund a study just tell you that where the result looks like it's soy. And documentaries are an invitation to do more research. Books, listening to other people, that's invitations to do more research, to narrow into who you listen to, to narrow into the information that you need to make the decisions for your best health and wellness. Totally agree. And it's one of those two where I think about it also in terms of like, well, what would need to exist for that to be true? And what would need to exist for that to not be true? Because a lot of times, right, it's not necessarily all dairy or all soy. It's what's happened to the dairy and the soy as a result of the industry, right? So there's so many nuances to it. And I think to your point, sometimes that nuance is lost when we want to make something that's clickbaity or really compelling, well, we want to prove that one that one point. You know, some studies, they only highlight the one variable, but they miss the other 10 variables that actually disproves the variable that they highlight. That happens a lot. I mean, that happens a lot, right? We're a society of overconsumption and we want people to tell us our bad habits are good. So yeah, butter in your coffee, great idea. Drink wine with every meal, awesome. You know, three cups of coffee a day, way to go. I mean, all these things that, all these studies, headlines that tell us our bad habits are okay, you know, further support what we're talking about right now is what the misleading part of the, the industry, the, the niche that we talk, that we're, that we're in, that wellness niche. Yeah. And it's, it's funny. I was, this is sort of a sidebar. I was at a, a colleague of mine went to a conference for us a couple of weeks ago, and they're actually designing studies to talk about multivariable and how to take all these things together when we're doing things for our health that we're doing more than one thing at a time. So progress there. All right. So you're big on myth busting. I know all of your cookbooks are designed to, you know, break through, I think, people's big objections. So I want to ask you the three biggest ones that I hear all the time. And you can tell us, you know, how you'd respond to each one. Sure. All right. Takes too much time. Ugh. It does take too much time if you let it take too much time and if you believe it will take too much time. You know, one of the things that I learned e early on was that my meals, even as an Instagram poster, didn't always have to be Instagram worthy. I could slap a couple servings of rice, a can of beans, some chopped avocado and store-bought salsa and some greens onto a plate and have a delicious meal in the time it takes to prepare my rice. It doesn't have to be time consuming, but we make it time consuming because we don't have the knowledge and the tools and resources that we have 
with eating the standard American diet, right? The standard American diet comes pretty naturally to most of us. We've grown up on it for decades. We've watched our families cook. As we gain the knowledge, it can be plant-based eating can be just as easy. So using resources, those 30-minute meals, looking at ways that people, you know, sub in the, the time-saving techniques. So buying convenience foods that are still whole foods, the pre-chopped carrots, the pre-chopped onions, the pre-chopped peppers, the washed vegetables, the canned beans, you know, now this is going to be a different conversation when we get to budget, but I was just going to say for that. <laughs> a time for a time saver, that's where you're going to lean into. You're going to lean into those conveniently prepared foods that are still whole foods that still provide the nutrition, you know, frozen vegetables picked at their optimum time, flash frozen so that they keep all the nutritional value. That's what I recommend when people are saying, I'm stuck on what to do with, with broccoli. I don't have time to be prepping it. And we'll move into the other ones as we as we go. Yeah. Well, so that was what, you know, as you were saying that, I'm like, well, then you get into the budget thing. So like, well, that can be really expensive. And certainly now the cost of food feels out of control already. And it can be really expensive. And if you look at, you know, you're in the grocery store and you're looking at the difference between dairy cheese and vegan cheese, man, you are in sticker shock. But guess what? That's not what I'm recommending. I'm not recommending you buy vegan cheese. I'm recommending that you buy potatoes and some store-bought salsa or a can of tomatoes that you can add cilantro, lime juice, and some spices to. You know, looking at ways that you can make your own even from some of those convenient foods. Not everybody has the luxury of cooking their own their own beans, but with a gadget like the Instant Pot or, you know, some some cooking methods to get those beans cooking while you're doing something else. You know, can you cook beans while you're preparing breakfast in the morning? Can you cook beans on the back burner of your stove while you're preparing dinner as you're picking up so that you're only cleaning up the dishes one time? Can you buy things in bulk, both loose bulk so that you can buy only what you need or, you know, bulk as in you're buying more for a, a lesser price per pound or, or per ounce or whatever it, whatever it comes out to be. My biggest tips for those are one, get the store card, look at the, look at the discounts, be flexible with what you're eating. If the broccoli is two for five dollars or, you know, 99 cents a pound, then eat broccoli. Don't do the cauliflower that's maybe seven dollars for this week. You know, look at the cheaper vegetables that you can use or and the, and the fruit that you can use. I always recommend frozen grapes as a really great sweet treat, but grapes can be a huge sticker expense when you get to the counter and you're like, wow, this bunch of grapes cost me like $30. It's That's an exaggeration, but, you know, grapes can be expensive. Those per pound bags, cherries, things like that. So look at ways that you can be more conscious of what the cost is going to be. Maybe that's subscribing to a local community supported agriculture where there's you know various ways that you can save maybe it's you know food sharing with other people maybe it is getting a membership to Costco and buying large quantities and eating on that quantity for the week but budget friendly can be done with intention and it all comes back to how you're planning it in how you're creating intention around that and fitting that food into your schedule all right so again you led right into the next one which is like Oh, planning and all this work, like this feels hard. So what do you say to that part? Definitely. Well, I <laughs> didn't get the cookbook. <laughs> I am a meal planning expert and I don't know that we'll get much into that, but I've been meal planning for six years long before, you know, right after we went vegan, I started meal planning and I attribute that to my success as like definitely a high level pillar of what I teach. But as far as it being hard, that comes down to how you think about it. Because when when I first started to cook and lived in a in an apartment when I got out of college, I thought cooking was hard. I thought boiling an egg was hard. I thought making lasagna was hard. And so, again, it comes back to we know what we know about food because that's what we grew up on. And so as we shift to this new way of doing things, we have to learn the new way of cooking. Maybe the easy part of it is using those canned beans because they are easy. Maybe it's using spice blends or spice cooking sauces instead of having to chop all the onions and chop all of that. You just throw in some cooking sauce or some cooking broth. You know, looking at ways that you can leverage things that are already done to make it easier. Low ingredient meals. You know, we have a, a chapter in the cookbook on five ingredients. How can you make food taste very good with only five ingredients? You level up those high flavor foods. 
So one of the recipes that I love in that cookbook is the hummus pasta. It's pasta with hummus and a bag of frozen veggies. And you can make it a one pot by cooking the pasta in the water. And just before it finishes, you add the frozen veggies. They cook up in the water. You drain everything together and you slap in a few dollops of hummus. Makes it very easy. You can add nutritional yeast. You can add some other of your favorite spices. But that it's a unique twist on pasta. You don't have to home cook your sauce. You don't have to add another pan to your stove. You know, as somebody who travels in an RV, I don't want to do any more dishes than I have to. So looking at those one-pot meals was very helpful. I also think sheet pan meals, just looking at ways that you can make the cooking process hands-off. So sheet pan meals, throw everything on a sheet pan, throw it in the oven. You're, you don't have to stir and scrape and stir fry. And then I like to roast all my veggies, all my beans, everything dry, and then toss them in a really yummy sauce when they come out of the oven. And then sometimes they go back on the baking sheet and bake for like five to seven minutes to kind of caramelize the sauce. Other times they go right into the taco shell, right onto the bowl, right into the fajitas, whatever whatever the recipe might be. Amazing. Now I'm starving. <laughs> all right. I can't wait. So <laughs> we're going to move into our rapid fire, but I guess, you know, wrap this up, a final thought or anything we missed. You know, the biggest thing that I want to leave people with is do this with the intention that you have. Make the steps that you can make. Take that first step. Like I said earlier, maybe it's veggie broth. Maybe it's non-dairy yogurt. Maybe it's just switching out your snacks. Maybe it's adding an extra vegetable. Maybe it's doing a meatless Monday or a veggie taco Tuesday. Just starting to incorporate more plants. If I can leave you with the inspiration to just eat more plants, that's what I want you to have, have takeaway from a veg-inspired perspective. Love it. All right. It's time for our short list of rapid-fire off-topic questions that I ask every expert. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> All right. The best thing you've done for your health this week and the naughtiest thing you've done related to your health this week. Ah, the best thing I did for my health was pivoting back to beans, rice, and kale yesterday because I just felt like I was missing all of the components of the of the things I love. So simplifying it, beans, rice, kale. The worst thing was tasting a couple of IPAs at the local brewery as we passed through this little town. Sounds great, though. Perfect. Very intentional. Right. If, yes. If you weren't a plant-based lifestyle and mindset coach, what would you do? Oh, gosh. I think I would be a travel consultant. I'm really loving this RV living, and I think I would lean into that industry. I could see that. All right. Favorite book on any topic other than your area of expertise or a fiction book? Oh, interesting. Favorite book on a topic other than my industry or fiction. So I can't pick a fiction. Hmm. No, you can do fiction. Oh, I can do fiction. Oh, okay. I was like, how am I going to pick a nonfiction book? So my favorite book ever is How to Kill a Mockingbird. Yes. Yeah. Takes me right back. I saw it on Broadway with Jeff Daniels. So good. Cool. Also the book, but, you know. Yeah. All right. If you could cure one ailment, disease, or sickness, what would it be? Oh, I'm going to go with type 2 diabetes. Yes. If you were a superhero, what would be your superpower? Oh, ooh, I want to fly. Everybody wants to fly. I just want to teleport. Oh, that would also be cool. <laughs> What's your biggest pet peeve? Not having calendar integrity is my biggest pet peeve. Yes. <laughs> Finally, in your opinion, what's the next frontier in wellness? Oh, I think the plant-based vegan niche is the next frontier. It's going to come out as the result and people are going to be all over it to, to make lifestyle changes to cure their ailments. Yeah. Well, thank you again for being here. Tell everybody how to connect with you. You also have a freebie for everybody, not just our members giveaway. So tell everybody what you have for them. Yes, 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 yes. So as a meal planner, I always create meal plans and I have one that is recipes the whole family will love. It's not just a meal plan though, because I really feel like to experience this the way you need to, you need it all. So it's a meal plan, all the recipes and a grocery list. You can get that at veginspire.com slash podcast. And it's an easy download. You can print it off. And my biggest advice for that is move things around that fit your schedule so that you can, you know, actually use the recipes and have them fit into your lifestyle. 
And again, it's easily downloadable at veginsfire.com slash podcast. And it's easy recipes the whole family will love. And you can connect with me on Instagram or on veginsfire.com. Instagram at veginsfire. At veginsfire. Perfect. Or on veginsfire.com. Awesome. Yeah, we'll put links to everything in the show notes too. So just thank you again. I appreciate your energy, your time, all of your insights. Just so many golden nuggets today. Thank you so much, Jen, for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Do you have another minute to hang out for our nutrition nugget? Absolutely. Perfect. This week, we're talking about pumpkin. So last year around this time, we talked about pumpkin seeds. (laughs) And um, amidst my not-so-mild obsession with butternut squash, I was like, let's talk about another squash, pumpkin, right? So like I said, pumpkin's a squash, a winter squash. It's actually in the same plant family as cucumbers and melons. So yes, it is technically a fruit because of the seeds. But nutritionally speaking, it's more like a vegetable. And we tend to use it more like a vegetable. Another fun fact, because I'm full of useless information, So they're native to North America, but grown on every continent except Antarctica. I know. Interesting, right? And um, there are more varieties than most of us, I think, realize. You know, we think of the ones that we like carve or decorate for Halloween. The ones, the pumpkins that we use for food look more like a butternut squash in terms of like size and shape. You'll probably see them labeled in your grocery store as pie pumpkins. So I don't recommend trying to eat your jack-o'-lantern. Like, not only because, you know, you don't want to eat something that's been mutilated and then sitting out, but also, like, the texture and the flavor are not the same. So just a little quick note of caution on that one. Don't eat the jack-o'-lantern. Okay. So to the nutrition side of pumpkins, I want to point something out. So we're going to start with cooked, boiled, or drained pumpkin without salt. So one cup, according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, we get 1.76 grams of protein, 2.7 grams of fiber, 49 calories, 0.17 grams of fat, no cholesterol, 12 grams of carbs. Where it gets more interesting to me is that the vast majority of the pumpkins sold in the U.S. is not fresh pumpkin, but canned pumpkin, and the nutrition facts are really different. So one cup of canned pumpkin has 137 calories, 3 grams of protein, 7 grams of fat, 7 grams of fiber, 19 grams of carbs. So before we get into... I know your face, you're like, oh, (laughs) yeah. Before we get into the micronutrients, I think the bottom line here, like we always say, read the labels, see what's being added to that canned pumpkin. You know, overall, pumpkin is fairly low in calories, low in fat, low in sugar, low in protein, higher in fiber, Right. And the other carbs are really coming from the sugars and the starch that are in the squash, unless you're seeing something being added to that canned pumpkin. But I feel like that sort of covers the macronutrient piece, (laughs) right? Macronutrients, the ones we want in large quantities. The micronutrients, right? The vitamins and minerals, the things that we need in smaller quantities. Pumpkin gives us a lot of vitamin A right? Mostly like beta carotene and alpha carotene, right? We think about that color of the pumpkin. Yeah, exactly. Gives us a good amount of vitamin K, copper, vitamin E, iron, and then a bit of magnesium, riboflavin, vitamin B6, vitamin C, and potassium. So there are some others that are, you know, less significant, I would say. But looking at this as a whole, macro micronutrients, right? The most benefit is coming from the fiber and those vitamins and minerals. So when we translate this into health benefits, it, it sort of goes to almost like what we were talking about this week with the documentaries, because there really isn't research or that much research on specific foods, right? Rather, we see research on sort of the vitamins or the minerals, and it's really, you know, 
it's expensive. There isn't a lot of money to be made in studying a single food. (laughs) So what we do in these cases is we look at the research on those vitamins and minerals that are offered by pumpkin, right, in more significant amounts. And then we can sort of track the logic to say, well, if the nutrients from this food offer these benefits, then it tracks that we might be able to get some of these benefits from this food, right? So focusing on metabolic health, because that's really where, you know, our emphasis here at Salad with a Side of Fries. So metabolic health, we know fiber plays a key role in that, right? Beta carotene also supports metabolic health. And then vitamin A, which like we said, is coming from that beta carotene and alpha carotene in the pumpkin. There's often, in a lot of the research, there's a connection between the vitamin A and our immune system. So it can potentially help our body fight infection. We also talk about all the time the connection between our gut and our immune system. We're actually going to talk more about that next week too. But there's research showing that vitamin A strengthens the intestinal lining, which can help it make us more resistant to infection. And I think we've all heard it before, right? Beta carotene for eye health. And what it does is that the beta carotene helps our retina absorb light. So that has to do with like vision sharpness. So there was also vitamin C, right? I call vitamin C nature's antihistamine, right? Many of us have heard all about vitamin C in the immune system. So yes, it supports our immune cells. So again, connecting to our immune system there. Also connected to vitamin C and some of the minerals with eye health, there's specific research around macular degeneration. So there was a study showing that people with age-related macular degeneration were able to slow the progression by supplementing with zinc, vitamin C, vitamin E, beta carotene, or a combination of these. And pumpkin happens to have all of those. Although having said that, right, the pumpkin's going to have smaller quantities of those things than a supplement. But it's interesting right? A little bit here and there, we can add it in. Again, connected to vitamin C, vitamin E, and beta carotene, we talk about skin health, right? We know those to be antioxidants. We've talked about that many times before. So they can help protect our skin from the sun. And foods in research, foods high in beta carotene may also improve skin's appearance and texture, which is why we also see them used as ingredients in a lot of skincare products. I would eat the pumpkin. Like I know a lot of times people are like, oh, well, I'll make my own mask. I don't know that you want to make your own pumpkin mask, but I like the ingredient situation happening and what it could mean for our skin. I'm glad you're laughing. I feel like we're... (laughs) All right. Connected to the potassium in pumpkin, we connect that to cardiovascular health. So potassium may reduce high blood pressure levels. Of course, We always talk about fiber, right? Fiber can help lower cholesterol because it basically the fiber binds to cholesterol in foods that you eat. So it prevents it from like absorbing and just going into your blood. I think, you know, more or less, adding a little pumpkin into our lives might be a good idea. Having said that, it doesn't have to be pumpkin pie or pumpkin muffins or pumpkin spice latte, (laughs) right? I'm gonna come back to that in a second. You can actually use pumpkin in soups and stews. You can mix canned pumpkin either with, you know, some kind of broth or even coconut milk. Like when you mix it with coconut milk, a lot of people use that as a base for a curry. Or if you just mix it with, you know, a vegetable stock, you can end up with, you know, any kind of soup. You could switch up your chili. So maybe replace the beans or some of the beans with pumpkin in a chili. I'm also, like I've mentioned, like I have an obsession with butternut squash. So you can really use pumpkin in all the same ways and just same ingredients, same recipe, just switch it out. So like roast it or even mix it with plain Greek yogurt and some seasonings and then you have a veggie dip, right? Get creative, right? (laughs) Um, If you're using canned pumpkin, like I mentioned before, just read the label right? If you have fresh, remember that you can use every bit of it, the stems, the seeds, all the pieces. And finally, I have to come back to the pumpkin spice latte and our pumpkin flavored foods because they are everywhere this time of year. And just like we've talked about in this episode and every episode, they are not inherently offering you health benefits of pumpkin because they're called pumpkin something, (laughs) right? A lot of them don't actually have any pumpkin in them. And 
you know, adding insult to injury there in our pumpkin conversation, they're often just filled with added sugar and flavorings and things that really are not serving our health. So I always say this, right? Make the choices that work for you. Just make those choices coming from a place of education and information so that it is, in fact, actually a choice. And you know that going back to that intention conversation. And, you know, if you see a little pumpkin in your grocery store or canned pumpkin displayed, maybe give it a shot. See how creative you can get. All right, Kathy, any questions or anything to add? Gosh, I don't know. I would throw some pumpkin in a smoothie, make like a pumpkin spice smoothie. And I love the idea of roasting it. You know, you could get small, those small pie pumpkins, cut them in half and fill them like you would an acorn squash or a butternut squash. So there's so many cool things that you can do. And we actually do have a pumpkin soup in one of our cookbooks that we use canned pumpkin. So full circle here. Seriously. And now I'm super hungry. So, (laughs) well, thank you again, Kathy. Just appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This is such a great conversation. And I look forward to connecting with all of you viewers as well. Absolutely. So as always, everybody, I'm your host, Jen Trepic. Connect with me on Instagram or really all social media. I'm at Jen Trepic, J-E-N-N-T-R-E-P-E-C-K. Send me a message. I'd love to hear your key takeaways, your ideas, what questions you have. This is also the easiest way to learn more about working with me as your health coach. If you are not already, please become a member. We'd love to have you join us. You just go to glow.fm slash salad with a side of fries, or just click the link in the show notes. This supports this podcast, this community, but most importantly, it truly supports your health. You'll get this week's recipe for the Tuscan white bean soup and the giveaway of Kathy's super easy plant-based cookbook. So until next week, remember, vegan, vegetarian, plant-forward, it's a spectrum. So if it helps, forget the label, just simply start to experiment and add more veggies to your everyday. Well, friends, that's it for today's episode of Salad with a Side of Fries. Congratulations for making yourself and your health a priority. Thanks so much for joining us. Be sure to click subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast platform. Share us with a friend and we'll be back next week. Always remember, you deserve it and you are worth it. Happy healthy.